Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back. I hope you had a good weekend here in North Carolina. Be careful this evening. Looks like we got some really nasty weather coming through. All right, so if you noticed uh, on Facebook or on Rumble, where we do video uh, during the show, uh, a rather provocative title today, Supremes, comma, Bidens, comma, and gays, G-A-Y-S. <clears throat> and we're going to talk about that in that order. But before I do, uh, a reminder, coming up next Tuesday, July 4th, I, w- I won't be on the air that day, but next Tuesday, July 4th, opening nationwide, Sound of Freedom is a movie about child sex trafficking, incredibly powerful it, it it is pretty hard to watch, especially at the beginning. Jim Caviezel, who we all know, who played uh, Jesus in Mel Gibson's movie, of course, Passion of the Christ, uh, and Mira Sorvino. It's it's an incredibly well done movie. It's it's uncomfortable, as it should be. Don't run and hide from that. Just like nefarious is uncomfortable because of its subject matter dealing with demonic activity or unplanned dealing with abortion. I think one of our challenges for Christians is uh, we we we're like feign sensitivity as a as a way to stay. Yeah, I know child sex trafficking is a terrible thing. Yeah, we know that uh, anecdotally. But but that's why this just to affect your prayer life, your, your deeper understanding to see a movie like Sound of Freedom is important. I'm going to get the I'm going to interview the director here over the, over the course of the next week, Alejandro Monteverdi, who worked with Jim Caviezel. Uh, it's taken him years to get this movie out. And uh, they work with a guy that started Operation Underground Railroad who deals with trying to help uh, rescue kids caught in child sex trafficking, which is a massive nightmarish problem around the world. So that's next Tuesday, Sound of Freedom, opening nationwide. So make sure you get out and support that. And then, uh, like I said, 4th of July, I won't be here. Okay, let's start with the Supremes, Supremes, Bidens, and Gays today. And then we're going to talk to our buddy David Fisher uh, in the fourth segment, do a little Money Monday update. So the Supreme Court, they're almost done, right? They're going to be taking their uh, summer break after this week, and they've got some big cases that need to come out, Uh, some really big ones. Number one would be affirmative action. I'm telling you this so that you're paying attention. I'll, I'll be paying attention. I'll talk about it on the air when it happens. But affirmative action, that's with Harvard as well as right here in North Carolina, University of North Carolina. And when the high court heard arguments in the case late in October of last year, all six conservative justices, I'm reading from the AP, uh, on the court expressed doubts about the practice. Could you imagine affirmative action falling? (laughs) I think you're going to be able to do more than imagine. I think it actually will. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Of course, the student loans situation, two of our Kids are paying attention to this. The justices will also decide the fate of President Joe Biden's plan to wipe away or reduce student loans held by millions of Americans. So keep an eye on that one. Uh, Gay rights, a clash of gay rights and religious rights is also yet to be decided by the court. The case involves a Christian graphic artist 
from Colorado who wants to begin designing wedding websites but objects to making wedding websites for same-sex couples. So, of course, in Colorado, it's like happened to the baker, Mr. Smith, I think was his name, uh, that they say, no, you can't discriminate, even if it's based on your religious beliefs. And so you, so you have a violation of conscience there, which is why you can get this up to the Supreme Court. So during the arguments in this case in December, the court's conservative majority sounded sympathetic to Smith's arguments. And religious plaintiffs have in recent years won a series of victories at the high court. So that would be great. You do have a right to your conscience, especially when it's related to your religious beliefs. So nobody, no state can force you to violate your conscience. Okay, That's why we have conscience clauses for pharmacists and doctors for dealing with abortion, things like that. Uh, Here's another one, just religious rights in general. Another case that could end as a victory for religious rights is the case of a Christian mail carrier who refused to work on Sundays when he was required to deliver Amazon packages. So there, once again, uh, they have to make a reasonable accommodation for that. It's not like Amazon's going to shut down because some Christian doesn't want to deliver your boxes or my boxes on Sunday. Voting, this one's a North Carolina one. As election season accelerates, the Supreme Court has still not said what it will do in a case about the power of state legislatures to make rules for congressional and presidential elections without being checked by state courts. In a case out of North Carolina, the justices were asked right here in North Carolina to essentially eliminate the power of state courts to strike down congressional districts drawn by legislators on the grounds that they violate state constitutions because only the state legislature is supposed to mess around with uh, election law. Okay, the courts are not supposed to have anything to do with that. But there's a wrinkle. Since the justices heard arguments in the case in December, North Carolina State Supreme Court, throughout the the ruling, the Supreme Court was reviewing after Republicans claimed control of the court. That could give the justices an out and let them dismiss the case without reaching a decision. So pretty interesting things going on there at the Supreme Court. And all that stuff's going to have to dump this week because they take a summer break starting in July, which is coming right around the corner, right? The end of this week, we get to July. So there's that. Okay. Uh, Supremes, check. Check that one off the list. Next, the Bidens. Now, this was interesting. Clay Travis earlier today, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton, they took over Rush Limbaugh's slot. Clay Travis, who is uh, optimistic about the wheels of justice in this nation. Buck Sexton, his counterpart, is not. Uh, I'm going to throw down with Buck on this one. I am not confident in it as well. But Clay Travis came out, flat out said today, he's like, mark the day, mark the time. Uh, Joe Biden will not be in the race come November next year because he thinks all the stuff going on with Hunter and now Joe and the things that are coming out are going to take him down. He was actually calling for the House immediately to bring impeachment charges against Joe Biden as well as Merrick Garland, who appears to be running interference for the Biden crime family. And so I've got a couple of articles here I want to walk through. New Biden talking point dropped. Get a load of the latest rub on Hunter's Chinese business dealing. So remember, we talked about this on Friday, the WhatsApp message that Hunter was in with a Chinese businessman who's also alleged to be a member of the Chinese Communist Party. Those usually go hand in hand. Who was basically threatening him and said, you know, I'm sitting here next to my dad. Don't mess with us, essentially. Uh, So there's that. Now, now it's interesting to watch the mainstream media, who was basically silent over the weekend about all this stuff. But they, they did release something, which is very interesting, a turn of phrase, which is why we have to pay very close attention. A secret global phone Biden used as vice president? 
Yikes. And then uh, this from Rich Lowry, the most hilarious Russia hoax failure of all. Not Trump, but the Bidens. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. I've been waiting on a war since I was young. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Okay, back to the Biden. Three quick stories here. And then we'll, we've will we gone from the Supremes to the Bidens. And then we'll end with uh, gays. And then we'll talk to David Fisher in the last segment. New Biden talking point drop. This is funny. This is why you got to pay attention. You got to pay, really got to pay attention the way they're saying this. Uh, can you figure out what's different about the latest White House talking point as it relates to President Joe Biden and his latchkey son's business dealings? On Friday, just a couple days ago, White House spokesman Ian Sams issued a statement on behalf of the president in response to questions about the release of the IRS whistleblower's transcripts, alleging that Hunter threatened a Chinese communist official while his father was in the room. Remember, that's the WhatsApp thing. Uh, and so here, here's what the official statement is. Now, listen, tell me if, if you can pick out what's going on here. Quote, as we have said many times before, the president was not in business with his son. Period. Quote. End of quote. Okay. As we have said many times before, the president was not in business with his son. End quote. Does that, does that sound, is that what he said? Except that isn't quite what Biden has said before. This is in the Daily Wire. Uh couple days ago. The president's defense used to be that he has never spoken with Hunter about his overseas business dealings. That's different from, quote, the president was not in business with his son. Why the change? Well, it might be true on paper that the president was never in official business with Hunter, but that doesn't mean he has never spoken with his son. That also does not mean that Joe did not benefit financially from his son and other family members' alleged business of selling access to U.S. government officials. Biden, when confronted about allegations that he accepted illicit funding in connection to his son, he's either joked about the topic, remember when he said, show me the money, where's the money? Or he gets really angry, gets ticked off. Needless to say, the president has not had a good explanation or defense of how the Bidens made so much money despite not producing anything of value. <laughs> Hunter making, just raking in millions and millions of dollars, and the only thing he's really qualified to do, apparently, is take selfies with uh, young women. So why would a foreign energy company like Burisma in Ukraine pay the guy millions of dollars, right? Then there's this one. This is interesting. Check this. How about this for a title, a headline? Secret global phone Biden used as vice president could reveal tight communications with foreign nationals. What? Then Vice President Joe Biden allegedly used a secret global cell phone paid for by Hunter Biden's business, according to Government Accountability Institute President Peter Schweitzer. <laughs> this sounds like Hillary with her off-property email server, right? Schweitzer told Fox News on Sunday that the nonprofit organization discovered the private phone line from Hunter's infamous laptop, which the FBI knew was his going all the way back to 2019, which is why you could say, and Donald Trump now is saying, hey, this is uh, uh, election interference. That's exactly what's going on. That was Clay, another one of Clay Travis's points. And Buck Sexton were saying, hey, uh, this was the, Biden, quote unquote, stole the election because the media, as well as the Department of Justice, suppressed the information about the Hunter Biden laptop, which then revealed all this other garbage and all these uh, nefarious things that the Biden crime family has been doing for years. 
So could you imagine if you could get this? And that may be the, uh, the phone, for example, that the Ukrainian Burisma executive might have used in this allegation that he talked to Joe Biden in recorded conversations. Remember, the Burisma guy says he has 17 co- recorded conversations. He, used, he, he recorded them for his own safety and for leverage. And two of those are supposed to be with Joe, the big guy. According to Schweitzer, the global phone was serviced through American multinational telecommunications company AT&T. Why didn't they just say AT&T? For $300 a month, that could access somebody anywhere around the world. Schweitzer said he shared the phone number and account information with the White House Committee on Oversight and Reform, hoping lawmakers would subpoena internal records on the account. You think? Wouldn't that be nice? Schweitzer's update on the latest development in the House Bunner and Biden investigations comes days after House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Jason Smith released a WhatsApp message. That's what we talked about on Friday. Smith told Fox News on Friday, listen to this, that between 2014 and 2019, the Biden family allegedly took more than $17 million through Hunter Biden and his associates from foreign nationals. He said that roughly $8.3 million Hunter received came as gifts and items. For example, an $80,000 diamond and a Porsche worth 142 grand from countries such as China, Ukraine, and Romania. Nothing to see here, right? It's absolutely unconscionable, Smith said. No kidding. Hunter's attorney did not deny the authenticity of the WhatsApp message. But they'll just go on denying. But this, this stuff's getting pretty gnarly, right? Do you think we'll see justice? <clears throat> Unfortunately, I don't. Clay Travis does. And this was kind of funny from Rich Lowry over at National Review. We've gone from a what a great what a great title for this article. The most hilarious Russia hoax failure of all. We've gone from a president falsely accused of being entangled with a hostile foreign power to a president whose family has been financially entangled with a hostile foreign power. <laughs> the irony of this is amazing. The latest revelation, please, Lord, help us. The the latest revelation is a shocking alleged WhatsApp message from Hunter Biden to one Henry Zhao, an employee with the Chinese firm CEFC Infrastructure Investment, threatening him to pay up or face the music because Hunter was, quote, sitting here with my father. That would be the big guy. Zhao, who is suspected of being a Chinese Communist Party official, and everyone told of the message of CEFC, presumably understood what Hunter was getting at. This is exactly how politics and business are conducted in much of the world. Within days of the sell, CEFC sent $100,000 to Hunter Biden's firm, Oswego PC, and shortly thereafter, $5 million to another Hunter entity, Hudson West III, which he had set up with Chinese associates. Not bad work if you can get it, writes Rich, Rich Lowry. In keeping with Biden family practice, Hunter then spread the wealth around. Got to remember, you got to get 10% to the big guy. It's like a tithe. Oswego transferred $1.4 million to the consulting firm of Joe Biden's brother, James, in nearly two dozen wire transactions over the course of about a year. I mean, how much smoke do you need? There's a big old fire in there. The latest revelation brings home how the Russia collusion obsessives have been wrong twice. Wrong to believe that Trump's campaign was coordinating with Russian taskmasters and wrong to dismiss the concerns about the Biden influence peddling business. Thanks in large part to the... See, this is all like... A diversion, right? Pointed all at Trump, especially starting in 2019, 2020, in order to keep the Bidens out of the hotlight, the spotlight. Thanks in large part to the priorities of the media and the bias and incompetence of the FBI, Rich Lowry writes, the country spent years obsessed with something that didn't exist and now has spent years more or less ignoring something that does exist. We've gone from an investigation that began for no good reason and despite the evidence 
To an investigation that, according to the IRS whistleblowers, has been pursued by officials doing everything to minimize it and look past potential evidence of wrongdoing, which is why Merrick Garland needs to be impeached. Back to the article. Of course, there's much we still need to know about the matter. Was Joe actually at Hunter's side or was Hunter making it up? How much did Joe know about all this? Did he get a cut directly or indirectly? What we do know, though, is alarming enough. Imagine if Don Jr., that being Trump Jr., was shaking down a Russian businessman by invoking his father's name, indeed his physical presence, via text. If Russiagate special counsel Robert Mueller had found such a text, it would have been the crown jewel of his report and it would have set off a firestorm. Indeed, the business arrangements alone might have been the occasion for an impeachment inquiry. Number three, I would add. Now Trump's enemies have all sorts of reasons to oppose him and want him out of office, apart from their dark suspicions that he was beholden to Vladimir Putin. But after their focus on Russia and alarm over its financial tentacles reaching to the highest levels of the U.S. government, they threw themselves into the arms of a politician whose family's livelihood depends on the flow of foreign money. And that would be the Biden Crime Syndicate. Ha! This is so upside down. We might have to play the Twilight Zone music when we come back. This is Steve Noble. Don't go anywhere. Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, talked about the Supremes and talking about the Bidens. In a second, we'll talk about the gays because it was a big gay pride event weekend, in case you weren't paying attention. But before we move from the Bidens to the gays, uh, NBC News poll, 68% of registered voters have a moderate to major concern regarding Biden's mental and physical health. So that number continues to climb. Uh, with every public moment he has. Because it's obvious he's losing his marbles. So just keep that in mind. And we'll see. Maybe I'll do a call-in show this week. Do you think Biden's actually going to make it to the finish line, meaning the election in November of next year? Clay Travis, the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show, came out today and said, absolutely, he will not be the nominee. He's not going to be in the race come November of 2024. They're going to have to figure something out. Because there's going to be so much more garbage coming out about him and his son and the rest of his family that it'll become untenable. Uh, Already, this is much bigger than Watergate. involves a lot more than Watergate. We'll see. I have almost no faith in the justice system, especially when it comes to Democrats in high office. Okay, setting aside the Supremes and the Bidens, let's talk about the gay folks who had a big weekend across the country, a lot of gay pride events. And remember, in the background is the uh, the fight right now over the drag queen story hour stuff and the allegations that that a lot of that community is targeting children. Right. They're targeting children, the classroom, gender ideology, sexual identity, all that stuff. North Carolina, as a matter of fact, uh, is going to pass a, a parent's bill of rights thing uh, probably this week. And then Cooper, our wackadoodle governor, is going to. Pray for that guy. Goodness. Our, our governor is going to veto that and then hopefully they're going to override him. And that's going to cut out all of that gender ideology, sexual orientation stuff, I think, up till uh, fourth grade. OK, so kindergarten through third or kindergarten through fourth, something like this. So uh, why do they want that stuff? Why are they targeting children? Are, are they targeting children in the way you think they're targeting children? Do you think the vast majority of the transgender population, for example, is uh, a pedo- is 
they're pedophiles. I don't. I don't think the majority of them are. Some of them are. This is kind of like dealing. This could go wrong in so many different ways, I'm about to say. It's kind of like dealing with Muslims. Uh, you know, there's 1.1, 1.2, 1.3 billion Muslims around the world. The vast majority of them are not very good students of the Quran. Uh, a lot of them don't even read Arabic. And so the vast majority of Muslims would be wonderful neighbors, just peaceful people like the, a lot of the Muslims I met. All the Muslims I met when I was in northern Iraq on a mission trip several years ago, they were all Kurds. Actually, I met with their foreign minister. He said we're Kurdish first and Muslim second. They were very secular. They're like a lot of Americans. And they were wonderful. That their, their, their penchant for hospitality in the Middle East was mind-boggling to me. Way more hospitable than your average American, even your average American Christian. So the vast majority of Muslims are, one, I would assume, decent, wonderful people in many cases. But 15, 20% of them are total radical fundamentalists that will blow themselves up in order to kill you and others. Okay. I think the same thing's true in the LGBTQIA community in terms of radicalization versus people that would rather just be left alone. Hey, you hetero people, you, you cisgender people, you do, your own, you do your thing, we'll be over here doing ours, whatever. Leave me alone, I don't want all the attention. Okay, But some percentage of them are really pretty nasty. Okay, So keeping that front of mind, to quote the White House press secretary. Naked men in front of children, pride parades in U.S. and Canada. We'll throw a little Bud Light in here while we're at it. LGBT pride festivals across the U.S. and Canada over the weekend featured rampant nudity, including a pride parade in Seattle in which men on bikes rode naked in front of children. You can watch the video on Daily Wire if you'd like. The Seattle Pride Parade, which declared on its website, parade is all about inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. Show up and speak against them. As a Christian, we'll see how inclusive it is. Uh, so all ages gather along the route to watch the festivities, uh, also featuring Boy Scouts marching in the event, which means nothing anymore. Okay, the Boy Scouts totally given over. Seattle Mayor Bruce Harwell tweeted, It was great to feel the love, energy, and sunshine at today's Pride Parade. With City of Seattle employees, our diversity makes us stronger. Uh, do you not care, sir? Hey, Bruce, what about naked men riding bikes in front of children? I mean, what, what is that? Producer Dennis Michael Lynch snapped on the other side. Quote, if you're going to paint yourself, walk around naked and play in a public fountain. I question your level of sanity. But when you do it in front of kids without pause, I should think you should be placed on a watch list. And I, I can understand where that's coming from. The nudity in, in front of children was not confined to the U.S. In Toronto, naked men stood nonchalantly on the street as children passed by. The Toronto Pride festivities, which were partially sponsored by, <laughs> wait for it, Bud Light. Talk about corporate Harry Carey. Also offered attendees the chance to vote on whether sex education should be taught to kindergartners. A kindergartner. This is so demonic. They're just offering kids up to Molech. More on that in a second. Bud Light Canada has been a proud partner of Pride Toronto. This is a direct quote. For the last 10 years, this year, we're commemorating this milestone with Pride Toronto by featuring them on our can design, as well as continuing as the official beer sponsor of the festival, Bud Light states on its website. <laughs> Driving their business absolutely into the ground. That, that's reprobate thinking, friend. Your brain is not functioning correctly. You're, you're, you're going to drive your brand and your business right into the ground over your 
twisted ideology. New York Drag March chants were coming for your children during weekend Pride event. This is also on the Daily Wire. Two New York City parade events held over the weekend stirred up controversy as drag marchers chanted slogans about targeting children while hundreds of attendees allegedly danced naked in front of minors. No, they're not targeting kids. Who wrote this? On Friday, a group of drag queens and transgender activists dressed in flamboyant garb for the New York City Drag March at Tompkins Square Park and marched across the East Village toward the Stonewall Inn to kick off the city's weekend events. Viral footage captured by Tim Cass News shows marchers, including a topless woman, chanting, We're here! We're queer! We're coming for your children! Although some claim the chant was sarcasm in response to allegations that factions within the LGBT community intend to groom children, the messaging still sparked outrage among Americans fighting to protect youth. Have you heard about these guys? I I really appreciate this group. It's, It's a Twitter account called Gays Against Groomers. Here's what they said. And these people seriously wonder why society is turning against us? Sickening. These people are doing more harm to our community than any actual bigot could ever hope to. Wow. Hashtag accurate. That's gays against groomers on Twitter, if you're a Twitter person. Savannah Hernandez, a frontline reporter for Turning Point USA, captured footage of the display, which showed children playing with inflatable objects designed to look like... mm, I'm not going to say that. It's part of a woman's anatomy. Uh, Lower half, not upper half. Supplied by the women participating in the event. The unsponsored march on Saturday marked the group's 31st annual event. This year's theme, not your mm, body, not your mm, business. But no, this is a, a nice group of people who don't, they're not causing anybody any harm. Okay, so what's the deal? We're coming for your children. They say, now, now you got you to gotta get out of the carnal here for a second. Get out of the natural world. Get into the spiritual world. Come on into the spiritual world with me for a second. Let's go there. What's going on? They say, we're not targeting children. Th- that meaning most of us are not pedophiles. Okay, we, we don't have sexual uh, feelings about children. And I think that for, a, dare I say, most of them, that's true. However, they are targeting children. Why are they targeting children? If they don't care about kids and all that so much, if they're not a target, then why do they get so bent when you say, okay, then no kids at your events? This is like 18 and over stuff. You shouldn't have a first grader with its screwed up mom showing up at the library to watch you twerk. You shouldn't be exposing children to this. And then they get all bent. But they say they're not targeting children. Yes, you are. This is in the spiritual realm. You are trying to change the hearts and minds of the next generation to basically build yourself a great cloud of witnesses that will affirm you. You need affirmation. That's built into your broken DNA, just like it's built into mine. And so I sought affirmation from all kinds of stuff and unfortunately still do. But the only affirmation you really need is from your creator. That's why this is all about the gospel, all of it. It's all spiritual, 100% of it. I don't care whether they're talking about the Bidens or the Supreme Court or, or the LGBTQ thing, like right now. They are targeting children because they're trying to build for themselves a great cloud of witnesses that will stand around and agree with them that the emperor, in fact, is, uh, has a lovely wardrobe as opposed to being buck naked, so to speak. They are creating, trying to create in the next generation. And they've done a great job of it because Gen Z right now, 15 to 24, about 30% of them say they identify as LGBTQIA+. 
They are targeting the next generation in order to satisfy themselves, to create an audience that, Romans chapter 1, the last line, giving applause to one another. That's what they're doing. It's all spiritual because they reject God. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. We talked to our good friend David Fisher on Friday. And we're going to talk to him again today, getting back on track a little bit. And then you can bring the music down. And then next week with the 4th of July, we'll uh, pivot again. And uh, 4th of July on Tuesday. But wanted to talk to David today, get another update. We're going to be talking about the dollar. And we'll go into a passage of scripture that kind of rocked me several years ago. And uh, it was, I'll get to you in just a second, David, stay with me. Uh, It was 2010, I think. And I had been on the radio for three years on Saturdays. I was still running my house painting company and I was uh, not content at all. I had thought that the Lord would uh, sell my business for me or do something, change my lanes for me. And, uh, and he didn't. And so in, uh, it was like no, uh, October of 2010, I decided to take up a friend on an offer to go on a mission trip to Thailand. I was literally out in the middle of nowhere, uh, with a, with a Thai Baptist pastor. I was in a village with 13 huts. They were all up on bamboo. I was completely disconnected from everything and had time to pray and, and, uh, argue with the Lord and, and wrestle with the Lord. And when I came back, Literally within two weeks, I was off. I canceled the whole radio show. I canceled all these men's ministry stuff. And I realized that that, uh, I was not content with what I had. And uh, in order to learn something about contentment, I then studied contentment for several months and then taught on it. And then the Lord uh, got me back on the radio and sold my business within three months after that. It was crazy. All that to say, hey, David, how are you, buddy? Thanks for calling in. I'm doing great. I'm learning contentment too. It's a process, yes. but uh, I've had a few of those mileposts along my life, uh, especially when you're on in your own business. And yep. uh, you know, it's I can say confidently I'm significantly more content now than I ever have been in my life. Amen. So that takes us right into. We're going to start with Hebrews thirteen five. I love this. This is a direct shot across the bow, probably for all of us at one level or another. <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll talk about the dollar. But let's start with Hebrews. Yeah, it says Hebrews uh, thirteen five. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has, never, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so contentment doesn't come when is not related with your bank account, the size of it, or the, the, you know, whatever is in there, or your net worth. It is a place of the heart. It comes from resting in Jesus. It's that simple. And sometimes we have to wrestle through that. Sometimes we have a divine appointment of a revelation, and uh, sometimes it comes through a series of experiences like you were talking about, Steve. But usually when we don't have contentment, we wander into the worry side of things and we're not in the trusting side of things. That's right. We, that's a great way of putting it. We wander into the worrying side and not the trusting side. And we, and we, and we'll pursue things other than God in order to try to satisfy that discontent 
when God is the one the whole time that is our source of contentment, and that's where we have to look to. That's why that's such an important it's such an important passage and all the passages like godliness with contentment is great gain, not just gain, but great gain. Paul talked about he had learned to be content. And when I read that, David, I was like, well, if Paul, the super apostle, had to learn it, how much more yeah. so am I going to have to work on this? And, and you uh, spoke about that a minute ago as well. Uh, such an important concept that we all have to struggle with contentment. So good. Thank you, as always, for leading us off with that. Well, how's our friend the dollar doing these days? <laughs> Not too good. You know, and I also want to say about you can have money and be a stewardship of, of it and have a net worth. That doesn't has nothing to do with loving money. And you can have very little amount of right. money, and you also right. can have a love for money. So that's right. we're, we're called to be stewards. And that's all about the dollar. And the dollar is in trouble. Boy, there's a guy that I uh, subscribed to his newsletter. I've quoted him many times on your program over the last seven years, Graham Summers. Mm-hmm. And he's wrote a two-part article, newsletter, excuse me, on how the dollar is in trouble now. And he's given all the facts and figures. It's almost like you're in my conversation is what he's writing about. Hmm. He's writing about uh, how the dollar strengthened for a little bit, and it's fallen the most it's ever fallen in history here recently. Wow. It went up uh, strong for a year and a half, and it fell the same amount that it went up in a year and a half. It fell in two months, which has never happened for the dollar. And he's saying... It should have gone up because the interest rate at the dollar is at five and a quarter compared to the euro is at three percent, and the pound is at five percent, and the Swiss franc is at one point seven five. So, in other words, this environment, the dollar should have been going up in, and it's going down. And he goes on to saying, so what's really happening here? He is saying the dollar is moving down against all the other major currencies, and he's relating it to our debt. He's relating it to new currencies coming out, and he's saying it's going to get a lot worse for the dollar. There could be a change in the currency status. Which is a big deal for all of us since all of us live with dollars. Yes. So it literally affects everything. It's. The world revolves around the dollar, but the world has been revolving away from the dollar right. is what's been yes. happening. Yes, which is uh, something we all need to pay attention to. That That is like the F5 tornado kind of thing that when the, do- if the dollar collapses, it's going to be serious, serious consequences for all of us in literally every nook and cranny of our financial lives, which is why it's so important. We always talk about diversification, which I know we'll land on. But what about cryptocurrencies? You mentioned this, that cryptocurrencies on the rise. I'm looking at uh, Bitcoin just in the last three months, and all of a sudden uh, it's spiked up, which is unusual. So what's going on with cryptos? So there's a movement towards safety, whether it be gold or cryptos. Here's a new one that blew me away. J.P. Morgan, the bank created a JP coin, according to Bloomberg News. It was actually created, it, I didn't see this until mm-hmm. today, it was actually created a couple of years ago, but now the United States Bank is launching a major movement in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa to get the JPM Morgan coin, Whoa. JPM coin, excuse me, in their systems. They've already been doing this since 2019. They've been trading this coin live. $300 billion of transactions since that date. That's the last four years. Yeah, four years. 
Um, but that's nothing because they trade $10 trillion a day. Wow. And so what they're doing is they're launching this thing now and ramping it up. I think you're going to see the Security Exchange Commission come against this. Uh, they're already having problems. They're sued for $4 million by that commission already. There's an uptick in regulatory actions against crypto firms is what I'm reading here. And in early June, J.P. Morgan partnered with six major Indian banks launching this pilot program amongst what they're doing also in Europe. So there's a big push to trade this coin instead of trading the dollar. Right. This is the largest bank in the United States that's doing this. Yeah, that that's eye-opening. Is there is there a new currency coming? Like, we've talked about this, but is there something specific on that? Yeah, specifically, and this is what uh, Graham Summers said. He's saying at the end of his, his article, you must know that something big is happening. That big is is the BRICS currency, and Janet Yellen even spoke out against that today in the news. Why? Because Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, lots and lots of news was being talked about BRICS. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. It started in 2005. Five countries was a part of it. Excuse me, 2001, five countries were a part. Now there's 19 countries so far. The dollar is losing its usage. BRICS is going to compete with this. It is being launched on August 22nd through the 24th is what analysts are saying. A currency analyst, Jim Records, is saying it appears that the BRICS currency will be linked to gold, a weight of gold. Mm. This will play a significant strength in the world currency, and you will see a movement towards this currency instead of using the dollar. Yeah, this is wild stuff that we all need to be paying attention to. Like I said a couple of minutes ago, David, when it comes to the dollar, that that literally affects everything. Everything, everything that you do. Hey, how much? Hey, your stocks have gone up by by how much? You're talking dollars. What's your net worth? You're talking dollars. How much is your interest payment? You're talking dollars. Okay, so all of a sudden, dollars changes everything, which is why we have to pay attention to this. I've noticed. I I don't know if it's just me, David, but but over the last couple of years, it seems like the amount of ads that and these are credible good ads that I'm hearing on radio and the internet in terms of having some gold and silver. I mean, they're all over the place right now. So, so what, what's going on with that and the headlines in general? There's a big movement towards gold. The United Arab Emirates, they just bought 41% more gold in the last 12 months. I've never seen a central bank buy that much gold percentage-wise in that short of time. So there's a violent move out of the dollar into gold because of global debt, because of everything we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, Here's a guy from uh, Bloomberg News is saying $3,000 gold by the end of this year. David Hunter is also saying $3,000 gold in the same time frame. We're seeing, here's the headlines, gold is now at a signaling a bottom, which means it's going to rise. There's a de-dollarization train is moving forward at full light speed, and gold is going to be the first to react. Get some gold. Call my company. Learn about it. All right. How do they get educated? I know we, we talk about it every week, but as a reminder, what's the best way to get to you? Just call us. There's no pressure to, to buy. Just get an information packet, 844-604-2575. Again, 844-604-2575 or landmarkgold.com. Excellent, David. Thank you, as always, for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. We appreciate you. Love you, my brother. We'll talk to you next week. Love you, my friend. 
All right. Talk soon. Have a good one. This is Steve Noble. It is the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again really soon. God willing. And like my dad always used to say, which is so fun because now people are like saying it back to me when I meet them. Ever forward. That's what he used to say. Ever forward. Ever forward.